Hello, and welcome to Danley and Friends. I'm your host, Ryan Danley. On this podcast, I seek to spread joy by connecting you with my friends and other people who are doing positive things in their community and in the world at large. I also seek to spread connection through encouraging open dialogue, having difficult conversations, and exploring new ideas and concepts. Hey, what's up, everyone? I am Rob Lawless, the creator of the Project Rob's 10K Friends, which is my mission to spend one hour one-on-one with 10,000 different people. I'm currently in New York City, and I'm on my way to meet my first person for the day at a WeWork. He meets with strangers for one hour and documents his journey on Instagram. Rob's 10K Friends is my journey to learn about their lives and see what comes of opening doors for no particular reason. And I'm now four years into the project and have met almost 3,000 people. I think if we all had a little bit more awareness and understanding of those around us, it would shape the way that we act towards each other in hopefully a positive way. 4,400. 25. That's how many people Rob Lawless talked to before he talked to me. I'm number 4,426. I like it. It's a nice round number. Rob's goal is simply to meet 10,000 strangers. Simply, right? (laughs) He believes that genuine human connection is something important in today's world. And it's also something that makes him happy. This journey is his way of leading by example. If anything, his hope is to encourage others to take the initiative to reach out to someone new and be open to establishing new relationships. If you listen to Danley and Friends, you're probably like, wow, that sounds exactly like the mission of Danley and Friends. Now, I don't have a goal to reach 10,000 strangers, but I am all about human connection and taking the initiative to reach out to someone new. And that's exactly why I reached out to Rob. This is our conversation. No agenda, no structure, just two human beings sharing an hour together. If you'd like to follow Rob and his project, check him out on Instagram at robs10kfriends. You can also visit his website at robs10kfriends.com. Here's me and Rob's hour together. There's no cleanup in the editing outside of a little bit of compression and EQing. This is just our raw conversation. Just the way nature intended. Hope you guys enjoy. Where, where are you calling in from? I'm in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, nice. So I live a little bit north of the city, <laughs> and... Uh, I grew up in Ohio. I was born in Youngstown and uh, went to high school in Columbus, went to college in Indiana, and then came back here for a job. Nice. Yeah. Cool. I, I, um, I'm from the suburbs of Philadelphia, but I went to Penn State University, so I've lived the college town life. So That's I'm sure it like, sounds like you're a little bit outside of it, but yeah, I, I never made it to Columbus, but I want to go to a Penn State, Ohio State game someday. Dude, that would be fun, man. Like, you know, big schools, you always get, like, the game day experience and stuff like that. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I haven't watched uh, 
too much sports lately, but when I was coming up, uh, one of my good buddies, his mom taught at Ohio State University. And so he'd always get like really good tickets to the game. So that was fun. Yeah. It's always nice to have those connections. One of my Penn State buddies, the, his like parents had a family friend who they had like four tickets in the same spot. And we would always have um, first choice to them. So it was me and three of my buddies from college. And some of the best Penn State games that I went to were as alumni in those seats. One of them being when we played Ohio State and then blocked their field goal and brought it back for a touchdown. <laughs> I was the craziest time. Everyone stormed the field afterwards. Uh, exciting times. I bet, dude. That sounds awesome. <clears throat> yeah, man. So, man. Um, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I, I have no structure for what I do, so uh, we can. I looked through your um, welcome packet a little bit last night. And then I started to see it was telling about your story. So I stopped looking at it because I was like, I want to hear from you. Um, but I've done a lot of podcasts with people. So we can just, I'm ready to like roll with you, whatever structure you have. Um, but I have none. But I do want to learn about you too in our hour together. Yeah, man. So it's pretty funny that you say that because uh, in reading up on you and your project and everything like that. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to reach out to him and see if I can, you know, chat with him for an hour and uh, started reading through your stuff. And I was like, in the spirit of his mission, I'm not going to like really watch any of the other, you know, uh, conversations that you have or, you know, anything like that. I'm just going to go into it as a stranger, you know, and just have a, a conversation. So I decided not to go with any structure, man. I wanted to keep it pure and just nice. kind of see about you and, and, and see what's up, man. You know? Nice. Well, I can tell you, so I'm from the Philly suburbs. And then I went to like a small Catholic school for high school. And then I went to Penn State for college and studied finance there. Okay. So I studied finance and I minored in accounting and entrepreneurship and graduated in 2013. So I'm 30 now. Um, and I, I was really involved when I was on campus. So I, I did like <clears throat> THON, the Penn State Dance Marathon. It's a fundraiser for the fight against pediatric cancer. That was the very first thing that I did at school. And then I joined a fraternity my spring semester, freshman year. It was kind of like everyone had been kicked off. You couldn't drink in the house. It was like a very unique situation. We basically restarted the fraternity. Okay. Some of my best friends, like two of my fraternity brothers today, uh, were already texting me just about the project and things. And I was on a FaceTime call last night with, four of my other fraternity brothers because one of them was telling us that he and his wife are pregnant. So, Oh, cool. Yeah, still super close with those guys, like a handful of them. And then I did uh, Habitat for Humanity trips, so I would travel on spring breaks and build houses in areas of need. Um, what else did I do? I was a tour guide, and that was uh, another big, that was like a bigger part of my actual Penn State experience. I used to give tours to prospective students but we would put on different projects around campus and whatnot and still very tight with those friends. Like I was just talking to one earlier this week about golfing and yeah. uh, wanted to go. So I am super rooted in my college relationships and that was kind of the inspiration behind me wanting to start this project was like, I met all these people organically and had such a good time doing it. And then it felt like you graduate and it's like they're hard stop on that. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't want that. I wanted to 
meet people outside of the agendas of networking or dating or anything like that. Um, but I didn't do it right away. I went into consulting for Deloitte because I had studied finance. And honestly, that was like my reach company at the time. So graduated, got this awesome job. And I was on such a traditional path at that time. I met a girl three weeks before school it out. We started dating. I had this job. They were going to pay for me to get my MBA after three years. So I was like, all wow. right, cool. I get my MBA. They'll pay for it. I'll propose to this girl eventually. And then we'll have the nine to five life until 65. But <laughs> the entre- I minored in entrepreneurship and I was just like, I can't do that. I can't. I can't go to 65 with only like three weeks vacation and not having control of my life. So I was always looking for something to do and feeling that lack of community or that lack of opportunity to meet new people. I was like, I'm going to meet 10,000 people and see what happens. And that was a lot of my mindset with the project is like, I just want to see what happens when you put yourself out there and you get to know people with no agenda. and. I also thought it was cool to be a positive example of human connection and someone who could encourage people to treat human connection as an experience rather than a transaction. So that's what I've done for, I started this in November of 2015. Uh, I left Deloitte and I went to a tech sales job at a startup and I started this when I was there and I I moved into Philly for that job. Uh, Started it November of 2015 Eight months later, that tech startup is bought out. I'm laid off. I jump into this full-time. Wow. And I've been full-time ever since. And we yeah. can chat about the journey, but that's a general gist of my background uh, is just having this thing that I love and like trying to build it into my career and just evolving with it as it evolves on its own. That's really cool, man. That's uh, super refreshing in a transactional world, you know? Uh, I have to ask, you seem highly motivated. Is that in your nature? Is it, uh, you know, something you've had to develop, you know, were your parents, uh, highly motivated people? I'm curious. I, I honestly feel like it was something in my nature. Like my, my dad worked for Verizon for 35 years doing computer programming. My mom worked for AT&T and then uh, was a stay at home mom. And then she started working in the cafeteria of a local elementary school. I have an older sister who studied marketing at Penn State. She does marketing for Penn Medicine now. So followed like a nine to five path, husband, son. They have a a almost one-year-old son. And then my brother studied finance at Penn State. He's two years above me. Went into consulting for PwC and now works for Citigroup. But again, it's like he likes the structure of that nine to five life. And then he can take his vacation and whatnot. So I feel like I am the only one in my family who is entrepreneurial. In yeah. some way. And sometimes that conflicts with the plans that my parents had for me. Um, <clears throat> and they don't fully understand the journey of like being patient while things unfold. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's, I do think it's natural. And I think one of the ways to explain it is going to the gym, for example. Like, I will just be like, I'm going to go to the gym three days a week. And when I set that goal in my mind, it's just the, it's a non-negotiable. I go to the gym three days a week. If I'm tired, I go. If I'm excited about it, I go. Uh, And for me, it's like, I've found that I've been able to do that with other things in my life. Like, now I meet three people a day because 
I'm also trying to contact universities to get into speaking on campus. Okay. But when I first took it full time, I was meeting five people a day in Philly. I would ride my bike around the city and I'd meet people at nine, 11, one, four, and six. So every wow. day from nine to seven, I was in meetings. And then in the nights, I'd be messaging people. But again, I was like, it's a non negotiable. Like I just uh, set those times and then stick to them. And I uh, just to, like create my spontaneity and freedom in the times outside of that. That is neat, man. So, like sticking to that strict of a schedule, I imagine your mood changes. Like you said, you get tired, stuff like that. Um, what like tools or what tricks do you use to kind of mitigate that and just like push through when you're not feeling like going on? You know? Yeah, <clears throat> I I think, um, I honest I think like having the structure and the routine is the tool that I use because I tell people all the time. Like I go through cycles of confidence and doubt with my project all the time. Like now I'm feeling good because I am starting to set up speaking gigs and I'm like, okay, wow, I can actually make money and support myself in this endeavor and I can have a life. But also I still live at my parents' house and I've lived in LA and I've lived in Hoboken, but only because friends have hosted me. So in those times, and then especially going into the pandemic, before I had the speaking stuff set up, I was like, I know that I'm on the right path, but I don't, I can't see exactly how I'm going to get to that stability. Okay. And that bothers me a bit. And so that would create a lot of doubt. But in my mind, I think what I found through my journey is it didn't matter if I was feeling confident or if I was feeling doubtful. If I met four people a day, things eventually worked out. And like the, the opportunities that needed to happen, happened. So I kind of fell in love with that process or as the Sixers say, trust the process. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think I became much more about the journey than the destination uh, just because I would set those things and then just not, not think of anything outside of that. That's pretty cool, man. Uh, it reminds me of an Alan Watts quote. He's a philosopher. I love him. Uh, and he's basically a paraphrase. He talks about how the point of dancing isn't to get to the end. It's to dance and have that experience and, you know, listen to the music while you're doing it and enjoy the time with the other person that you're dancing with. And so he said, that's how life should be. And so I feel like that's, you know, what you're going through with this. This is pretty neat, man. Yeah, thank you. I agree with that. I think that's a beautiful quote. Uh, talk to me about those cycles of confidence and stuff, because um, you know, I, I go through the same thing with my podcast. And I think when you're on any endeavor, uh, you're going to have those highs and lows. Um, can you just give me like some insight into, you know, what that's like going through the ups and downs and how you deal with that? Yeah, I think so, um, sometimes it's just natural and sometimes it is expectation driven. Like a really good example I can give is 2018, I was living in LA and I met, I had previously in 2017 met this guy, Ryan, who ran a t-shirt company called Serengeti because I had been meeting brand ambassadors of his. Like one of the girls I met in Philly was a, an ambassador for his company and she gave me a shirt and I would wear it and stuff. And she shared my project to their Facebook group. So I met some brand ambassadors in New York City. And then when I went out to LA, I was meeting some and 
he messaged me and he was like, hey, I'm the CEO of this company. I would love to get in touch and chat about what you're doing. And he's 30 as well. So we oh, just cool. kind of clicked. And um, the next time I went out to LA, he had a birthday party that he invited me to. And he said, I have these friends that I think you should meet. It seems like you guys have similar approaches or mindsets towards life. And they run a YouTube channel called Yes Theory. So I was like, yeah, sweet. That sounds good. And I met them at his party, but it was kind of just in passing. We didn't chat or anything like that. And I saw he had done a post about them about a month later or something like that. And it was like a fashion show that he had helped them with. And I asked him if he could introduce me to them again, because it just reminded me of them. So I met one of the three guys, Matt. And at the time, I didn't know how big they were or how loyal their following was and I think I caught them I caught them when they were big but also right before they really took off okay at the time they had just challenged Will Smith to jump out of a helicopter over the Grand Canyon with them for his 50th birthday and he accepted so wow <laughs> yeah um <clears throat> but I met Matt and after we met he said send me the photo and I'll share it to my Instagram story and he did and in 24 hours, 2,000 people started following me. I got messages from all over the world. And I started to meet people in his circle. <clears throat> and I was surfing with one of their video interns one day and was at their house using their board and their wetsuit. And when I came back, I, I had a break in between finishing surfing and when I was going to start my first meeting for the day. So I met this Irish dude, Ben, who was crashing at their house for like the week. And while I was doing that, one of the other guys, Amar, came around and filmed like 10 seconds of us on his phone and posted it to the Yes Theory Instagram just saying, this guy's meeting 10,000 people. And he put my account. And from that, 4,000 people started following me. I think I got like wow. 400 messages. And that is a time of confidence mm -hmm. because it was unexpected. And again, I didn't know how loyal their following was. But it just opened up so many doors. And at the time, I was still only meeting people in person. So it was a lot of, I would do my meetings and then I would spend hours every day answering people saying, I'd love to meet if I ever make it to your country or to your city or whatever. Mm -hmm. So then later that summer, <clears throat> I get a DM from a producer for Ryan Seacrest's radio show. And they're like, we came across what you're doing. We want to have you on the show. And I thought, okay this is crazy. If Yes Theory is here, Ryan Seacrest is all the way up here. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, this could be the wave that just pushes you into the, let's say the limelight. And I remember doing the radio interview and I was super nervous for it and being by the radio the next day and just being like, I, if Yes Theory, 4,000 people, like what will this radio segment that reaches millions of people in the U.S. do. And it aired. I had like 300 people that followed me in that moment. And then it stopped because uh -huh. it was only like a two, three minute thing where people are driving, they're on the highway, they don't have time to pull out their phones, as opposed to if you see something on an Instagram story, you click and follow, right? So it's so yeah. easy. And I think after that, because I had built it up, my in my expectations that it was going to be such this grand thing i went into this period of doubt of like oh man if that's not the wave then will there be a wave or what will the wave be 
So that's just an example. And I think it's just going through having proper expectations or I think that's probably another way that I battle that is, is trying to have like as little expectation as possible because I think some Google executive once said, happiness is the difference between expectation and reality. And I believe that. Yeah. That's profound. Uh, I imagine you've had a number of cool experiences and some trying times as well. Uh, talk to me about the doors that have opened, like you mentioned. You know, what's, what are some experiences that you've had that really stand out? You're like, wow, these were really unique or, you know, once in a lifetime type things. Yeah, <clears throat> I had a, uh, I met a flight attendant through the whole Yes Theory circle as well. He had done a video with them once. His, his ma lives on uh, YouTube. But he's a flight attendant for Southwest Air. And as we were leaving the meeting, he put his hand on my shoulder and said, hey, wherever you want to fly, if Southwest, if Southwest flies there, I got you. Like, I'll give you my buddy pass. And I thought, okay. Like, people will make offers time to time. Like, hey, if you ever need anything, let me know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I was like, I'm definitely taking you up on this offer. <laughs> right, so, right. I was in LA, and it was 2019. And it was May that I met with him, and I was leaving at the beginning of June. So I was just like, I'm going to go to Hawaii. I see Southwest flies there. I'm in LA. It's probably the closest I'll ever be. And he booked me the flight with his buddy pass. I got to go to Hawaii. I stayed there for like four days. All in all, the trip cost me like $250 with my <laughs> hostel and uh, and being really careful about how I spent my money. Like on the days that I would travel, I would just eat the cookies that they gave you on the airplane flight because I couldn't afford to buy like meals at the airport and stuff. So there's a lot of pushing myself in that way too. Yeah. But that led to some cool experiences of I was just messaging people from Hawaii and Maui being like, Hey, I have this project. I see you're a Maui based account. Do you want to meet up while I'm in town? And I ended up meeting a lot of people from my hostel for the project. Um, but I ended up at this 78 year old Portuguese woman's birthday party because I was invited by this Grammy award winning musician who I was what? put in touch with, with this random Maui based account. And this guy is like Hawaiian music musician. His family had lived on the island for generations. He showed up to the party an hour and a half late. I got there an hour and a half before him. <laughs> None of them knew I was coming. They don't really even know the guy. They just knew he was going to perform. And it was a family party. It wasn't like a, a thing. Um, but that was a wild experience. And I sent her a postcard the next year just to be like, hey, happy birthday. And I sent her another one this year. So I think that's just a funny thing that has come of a random experience, but because I did that, a guy saw that I was traveling and he invited me up to Canada for a week and paid for my flights and my Airbnbs. Uh, he has like a furniture store in London, Ontario, and he's just a really big community person, but he set up times with me to meet with a bunch of people from his community. Oh, and I spent half the week in London, Ontario and half the week <clears throat> in uh, Toronto. And the day after I flew up, they had put me on a national morning show in Toronto, in Canada. So things like that. Yeah, the weirdest things just open up along the way. Um, those are some of, of my favorite stories. And now I think, so 
I'm setting up a speaking gig with Amazon to oh, nice. talk to their diversity, equity, and inclusion team. Because at this point, I've spoken to people from over 80 countries. And I think in terms of doors being open, like that's huge to have. And it's through someone I met through my project to have her like reach out and invite me to go speak there is, is just, I, I think that will be a game changer in the storyline of what I'm doing. So it's really cool to see the connections of people I'm meeting just playing out in ways that are helping further the project too. Yeah. I have so many questions and so many directions that I want to go. Um, as you've met, you know, people from 80 different countries and you're into what, well into the 4,000s now, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, what are some differences and commonalities that you see between people? I think the differences are <clears throat> like the details of people's lives, but the commonalities is maybe the categories. So one of the things that I'm speaking about now is this framework of conversation that I did not come up with, but someone commented on a post that I had written once called Ford, and it stands for Family, Occupation, Recreation, and Dreams. And what I've learned is every single person's life can boil down to those four categories. Uh, another way of thinking of it is the word sonder. Have you ever heard that? I'm not familiar with the definition. It's been a while since I've heard the word. So it's the realization that, uh, essentially it's the realization that everyone around you is living a life as vivid and complex as your own. So for example, like you and I come together to meet for my project and do this podcast. But outside of this, there's like, we both have our families. We both have things going on in our minds that we're going to have to think of after this or that we were thinking of before, like issues we have to solve, things we're excited for that don't make it out in like your interactions with each other. But it doesn't change the fact that everyone has that. And an easier way to think about it is this board. So everyone has a family dynamic. I have two parents who are still together, still alive. I have two older siblings and I'm tight with them. But I might meet someone whose parents are divorced so they have step-siblings or they have half-siblings or something like that. So we're similarly impacted by our family dynamic, but what that looks like could be different or some people are adopted or things like that. Yeah. And then occupation, I went to high school, I went to college, I went into a nine-to-five job and now I do this creative project. Some people just went high school straight into work some people are out of work right now, but we still have this path typically of education into something that helps you pay the bills. Um, recreation is our hobbies and what we're passionate about. And for me, it's fitness, music, reading, watching TV from time to time. But for other people, it might be yoga, hiking, et cetera. So, yeah. and then dreams is dreams. So you, you see what I mean? It's, we all exist within these same categories, but it's the details of them that are different. And I think also culturally too, like people in Argentina drink mate, which is just this communal drink where before COVID, everyone would sip out of the same straw and pass it around. Um, or people in Saudi Arabia are like mainly Muslim and in Ramadan, they don't eat or drink from sunrise to sunset. And I think learning those things is really cool. Too, just the cultural it's, again it's just cultural differences of like a lot of us have religion or don't have religion but 
what we practice might be different from each other, but it doesn't change the fact that we have something that kind of guides us. Yeah. Yeah. So like, did you have any biases or anything um, going into this that kind of changed or were challenged as a result of, you know, meeting someone that was different than what you thought or, you know, anything like that? Yeah. I, I, I think so. I mean, what I learned to do is just like not assume things about people and sit back and let them tell me who they were. Cool. Uh, yeah. And I'm try- trying to think. Yeah. I mean, I just, I can't point out specifics, but I think in everyone that I've come across, it's just, there's so many different life paths that exist that I couldn't even fathom before I started the project. So you start to learn, like, I meet with this person, they went through this trauma that I didn't even know could be something that a person went through. Uh, And that opened up my mind a lot. And very early on, I was just like, I'm not going to try to, like, assume things to connect with people. I'm just going to ask about them and let them tell me who they are. And that, I think, is a much more helpful approach for anyone trying to get to know someone. Yeah. So what are some like of the unique ones? Like, are there maybe top three that you're like, wow, I didn't know that that was a life path or I didn't know that that was a thing that could happen or. There was, um, uh, like, I remember w- walking up to this one girl who she was just like another white millennial girl like me. We met in Philly. And I remember in my mind just being like, she's probably went to school in the area and now works a job in the area. And we went to a bar and she was talking about how, I think she works with people in recovery, maybe from addiction. And she was like, I don't judge people for, you know, what they do because of what they've been through. And she told me about, I think it was when she was 15 years old that she was gang raped. and. Huh? Because of that, she fell into a cocaine addiction and she had to pull herself up out of that. And then that experience is ultimately what led her to working with other people in that area. And it was like a punch to the gut because I just felt stupid for assuming that she had a certain lifestyle and then you find out the details of it and it's wildly different than what you thought. And another guy there was a guy, Chris, that I met with who I talk about all the time. And he was introduced to me through the Philly Instagram photography community. And he was a hotel concierge in Philly. Same thing. I was like, oh, he's probably just like normal dude, likes photography, went to school, did his thing. But he's half German and half South African. So when he spoke, he had an accent. And like he told me how he was raised in Nigeria in the early years of his life. And when he was 16, he was living in Romania and he came over to New York City to go boating on the Hudson River with some friends. So we're walking around Philly and he's telling me this story. And then he told me about how he fell off of the boat, got run over by it, and his legs got sucked up into the engine. So the blades like cut through his leg, they cut muscle away from the bone and stuff. He lost several liters of blood, technically died on the way to the hospital and was brought back to life was given a 12% chance of walking again and a 15% chance of living. And he beat both those odds. And again, I just felt like an idiot because I was like, oh, normal dude, Philly, photography, blah, blah, blah. 
And then you hear about what this person has been through up to that point in their life. And I think that gave me a lot of perspective of, and I think going back to what we were talking about earlier, like how do you manage those ups and downs? For me, it's like, well, if Chris got his legs chopped up, chopped up in the, not chopped up, like cut up in the engine of a boat and is now doing fine, then I can feel a little overwhelmed by my project and come out on the other end. So I think I've been really inspired by the other people's stories around me. That's deep, man. That is, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, people do have a lot going on that you don't see uh, on the surface and that you typically never find out unless you had a conversation with them like you're doing, you know? Mm-hmm. So I got to ask, man, like, do you have an Adderall guy? Do you drink seven <laughs> cups of coffee a day? Like, you know, how are you keeping this energy? I think it's, I have one cup of coffee in the morning. And I think other than that, it's just balance. And uh, I think keeping my energy at a, like a pretty even level. I think a lot of people who meet me expect me to be like, a, hey, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. Like in your face, kind of really outgoing, high energy. And then they meet me and they're like, oh, this guy's super mellow very laid back and chill. And I think that is just kind of how I navigate it is by keeping an even pace of energy throughout the day. And the other thing is being an extrovert. Like I get energy from meeting with people. So it's not, I mean, after four people a day, it can be draining, but I think that's the magic number where it's draining, but then I'm still excited to do it the next day. Because you have a conversation with someone and you really click with them or you have a conversation and they teach you something that you didn't know before. And to me, that stuff is really stimulating. So it just keeps me going. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I was surprised at how chill you are, man. Uh, you know, I was like, all right, I thought he'd be a little more like, I, I don't know if like salesy is the right word. Cause that like might sound negative, but I thought you'd just be more like, yeah, like you said, like upbeat and stuff like that. But, uh, It's not a bad thing. I like it. I think it's cool. I've enjoyed this so far for sure. Yeah, I try to I try to give a authentic energy, which I think that's one of my personal flaws as a a human is at like someone could tell me the most exciting news about their life and I'd be like, oh cool. Congrats. (laughs) (laughs) That's what's up. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I am curious with you what your uh story is because I again we were looking through or you sent me your welcome packet and I forget what the term is for the injury that you had yeah I saw and I was like that's where I stopped because I was like man I never would have known this before and if I obviously if we didn't talk I wouldn't have known it about you but you obviously have a story of yourself of things that you had to overcome so what has your path been yeah man um so i had a pretty interesting life uh I was born in youngstown ohio uh you know my family my mom was a single mom my family scraped together what money they could to send me to a private jewish school because the public schools weren't that great so you know had that experience saw Two different ways of living. You know, I come home, people are living a certain way. Go to school, people are 
you know, swimming pools in their house and, you know, crazy things like that. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's, that's different. So um, we moved to Columbus and, uh, you know, life kind of goes well. And uh, I ended up going to Butler. I got good grades and stuff like that. So I was in Indianapolis. And uh, long story short, I got a career in HR. And so um, I now work for Honda. And, you know, life's good. Like, you know, I met my wife at Butler and stuff. And we'd been hanging out. And um, what was it? I think it was like 2013. We went to a music festival in Toronto. And like, we were really big in the EDM scene and just, you know, love that whole vibe. And uh, met some people up there and like just in the crowd. And we were like, oh, we're going to come back next year. You guys are so cool. Like, we'll see you next year. And we were like, oh, yeah, like, whatever. And, like, they didn't think we were going to come back. And we were like, ah, maybe we'll come back. And we did. You know, and so we went back that next year and hung out with them. And it was a great time. And uh, I hadn't seen them in a number of years. But my uh, job that I got most recently, I did uh, talent development. And so I had to go around to the different uh, Honda locations and, like, teach different classes. And uh, one of the locations was in Toronto. And so I reconnected with my friends and, you know, we hung out, um, asked them if they wanted to get dinner. And they were like, let's actually like hang out. Let's, you know, come to the cabin and, you know, we'll do ATVs and stuff. And I'm like, okay, cool. So we do that and had a good time. And uh, they were like, yo, you should bring your wife back next time and come back in the winter and we'll go snowmobiling. And I was like, bet, like my birthday was in January. And so I was like, it's the perfect timing. Like, let's do this. And uh, Man, the first day we went out and I had a blast snowmobiling. I'd never been and it was uh, super fun. And then the second day, we were going on a lap and we were going around a lake uh, that was covered in snow. It was like, I mean, three feet of snow easily. And uh, just whipping these things around. And uh, I didn't see a dock that was covered in snow and ran into it. And uh, I injured my spinal cord. So I got a spinal cord injury. And uh it was January 26th of 2019. It was the last time I walked. So it's been a, a weird road, man. Like since then, um, I went through a deep depression, you know? Like I wasn't sure if I wanted to live. Uh, and just like after that, and after I kind of came out of that, I just had a great appreciation for life itself. Like... Every day I'd wake up, even if my day was just shitty, man. And there were some shitty days, let me tell you. Like, I'd be in pain. Like, um, I don't know, just waking up and not being able to move in itself is just like a mind fuck, you know? It's just, it's crazy. And so, but for some reason, every day I'd wake up, I'd still have this moment where I was just like, I'm happy to be here. I appreciate this for what it is. And I'm going to do what I can to make this the best that it can be today, you know? and. Uh, that scale changes, you know, the best some days, I feel like a, yeah, I don't know, the Terminator, you know, I feel like I've been, you know, crushing it, like doing all kinds of things. But other days, it's like, all right, I got out of bed, got dressed, I got some food, you know, and that's, that's how it went. So um, it's been a journey, man. Uh, read a lot of books, talked to a lot of people. Um, I've been going to therapy. So that's been helpful. And, uh, you know, I'm back working full time. I didn't think that I was going to be able to, but I'm working from my home. And, uh, yeah, and that, that's, that's about it, man. Me and my wife started a, uh, an apparel brand. 
Uh, we dye fabric and it's called Ohio Drip. And so we've been doing that. And other than that, I hang out with my wife and my two cats. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's so interesting, like how, how our lives can change in what, a moment. And I, I think about that all the time still because I think maybe you felt the same way when you were in college. Like there's this uh, idea that you go, you figure out who you are in college, you determine what your career is going to be, you graduate, and then you're that person. You just kind of coast along that career line on a linear line, hopefully upwards for the next 40 years, and then you retire and you go out and enjoy the world. And it's yeah. not the case. And I, just, I, for so many things, and I guess it's kind of a negative way to look at it, but I'm like, so much can go wrong in our lives. So many bad things can happen. But it, for me, it makes me appreciate what I have in the time being. I, I think meeting people, I've met multiple people who are early 20s or younger who've lost both of their parents. and. For me, that's like, uh, if I think about the timeline of my life, I'm like, I'm very lucky that from zero to 30, like I've been able to have my parents in my life and hopefully I'll have them from 30 to 60, 70, whatever. Um, but for some people, their life timeline is just, they don't get that. It stops at 18, stops at 16. Um, and then, yeah, I just, I, I think about that stuff all the time. And like for you, your timeline was from when, when? What year were you born? Uh, eighty nine. Oh, so nice. I'm thirty two years old. And when is your birthday? Uh, January fourth. Nice. I'm January first, nineteen ninety one. No way, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Cool. Yeah. So a winter baby too. Ew. Yeah. I'm sure in your life, like up until that point, you never were like, oh, "I'm going to go snowmobiling." and lose the ability to walk. And that's going to completely change the way I think about and live my life. But it was something that happened on your path. And I think it can happen to any of us. And that situation can be insert X, Y, Z here for whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you can plan only so much, I think. And I'm sure, you know, being like a finance and accounting guy uh, and entrepreneur, like planning is probably part of what you do. You're, you're planning your project out, you know, you want it to go a certain direction, you have you know, your goals and things like that. But uh, there's a guy that told me to be firm in my goal and flexible in my path. And that always kind of sat with me. And I was like, okay. Um, and, I, and I think for me now, having gone through this experience, I'm like, yeah, I thought my life would look a certain way. Um, and I think I wanted it to look that way because I thought that it would bring me a certain feeling of happiness or, or something like that. And it's like, I can still obtain the goal of happiness without having this picture of what I thought it was going to be in my mind, you know? So, um, just trying to make, you know, these sweet moments. And that, I mean, heck, that's part of the reason I reached out to you, man. I was like, what the heck? Like, you know, this is cool <laughs> doing it. Like, hopefully he thinks I'm cool enough to talk to you. So yeah, here we are. Here we are, man. I I'm curious for you. Do you see the, uh, your spinal cord injury as a big part of your identity or a small part? Like, kind of, like, is it 
something that like you still think about a lot or is it like a thing that happened it happened and now your life is what it is and you don't really think about it that much it fluctuates dynamically like just so drastically because there are in terms of like my belief system um i'm a big believer in like the law of attraction not to be like too new agey but um, I do think that you get what you think about and get what you put out into the world. And so I try to minimize how much I think about uh, my injury and stuff because I, I don't want to identify with it. I don't want it to become my defining characteristic. Um, but in many ways, I wouldn't be who I am without it, you know? And so I think it's almost a necessary part of who I am. Um, so I, the way I think about it fluctuates wildly, but I try not to identify with it too much, but it's, it's almost forced because whereas, you know, when you identify people, you use simple identifiers, right? So whereas I was, oh, the black guy before, or, you know, I worked out before. And so like people like, oh, dude, the muscles now I'm the guy with the wheelchair, you know? And so it, that becomes my identity, um, whether I like it or not. So I don't know, man, I, I'm, I'm in an ever-evolving relationship with it, I think. Yeah. And um, what are, I have like a couple questions yeah. around it. Um, well, the one now is, what are the things that define you? I'm sure like your relationship with your wife, I'm sure your job, like cat lover, but like, what do you see as the things that define you? That's uh that's an interesting question because when I got injured, I started to ask myself that question, like who am I? Like what does it mean to be me? What does it mean to be human? And I'm not sure because I, I think it could be experiences, but when you go through experiences, you are constantly editing how you feel about them, how you perceive them. Um, you know, I look back at experiences I had when I was younger with a completely different lens now that I'm older and I learn new things. So it's like, do those define me? I don't know. Um, I like to think it's just like love and caring, man. Like, I just want to just care for people. I want to help other people know that it's going to be okay. Um, I don't know. So I think maybe that as like an overarching philosophy is just like trying to make love and connection central themes in my life. And that's why I felt like we aligned because you were talking about human connection. I'm like, I'm all about it, man. Because I've seen so many different ways people can live. I've seen the richest of rich to the poorest of poor. And they all get hungry. You know, they all like to have a good time. They all like to dance. Like, um, we're all similar, and I think we're all just trying to do our best, you know? Mm -hmm. I agree with that. And I think the other thing I'm interested in, which I'm always interested in, is, like, coming out of that, like, talking about going into that major depression afterwards. I know you said you talked to a lot of people, you've read a lot of books, but if you could look back on that experience now, what can you attribute to helping you climb out of that depression like what are the things like if someone else were going through it 
that you would be like, these were the things that really helped me that I held on to. Yeah, man, it was almost like it sounds cliche, but it was almost a flashbulb moment. And uh, I was actually, uh, I, I didn't have a defined day that I wanted to end my life, but I had a pretty good idea that I was going to. And uh, a friend of mine suggested the book Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And uh, I was reading that book. And uh, there was a quote in it. Um, and it essentially talks about how, uh, you know, you could be the only one in the camp that someone has or that has something good happen for you. Like, you know, sometimes chances spring out of nowhere for the individual. And so it's just kind of like, you never know what could happen. But the people that he saw die in the labor camps were the people that gave up and gave up their hope. And the people that went on, you know, and had hope day after day after day, um, you know, a lot of them ended up living. And so I'm like, if these people can go through the Holocaust and this dude can lose his wife, lose his family and stuff like that, I'm like, who's to say that tomorrow won't be my day? You know, um, if something this bad can happen to me, why couldn't something equally as good happen to me? Because they must exist as opposites of each other, you know? Um, so I think for me, man, it's just like kind of that book gave me the seed of hope. And from there, it just kind of flipped my thinking. And I was like, you know, I'd be so f frustrated if I decided to give up and then come to find out all you had to do is eat three mangoes in a row, you know, or something like that. And it, it cured you. But, you know, at one point we didn't have cell phones. At one point we couldn't fly. Um, who's to say it won't be tomorrow that we figure this out. So I want to be yeah. here. That's amazing. I relate to that mindset so much, the, the good and the bad. And I think about it all the time with like my path and some of that doubt coming from the time of COVID where it's like, I'm 30 years old and I've done this project and I haven't quite figured out how I'm going to support myself with it. I still believe, I've always said that the me who's met 10,000 people is more valuable than the me who made partner at Deloitte. It's just navigating the in-between that's a little more difficult because Deloitte, they're paying you the whole time. You have benefits. You have a title that people can look at and respect. This, you're like a guy floating with no direction until you are the guy that hit and then you're like the overnight success type thing. Um, yeah, overnight, quote unquote. You know, like <laughs> Yeah, after 5,000 hours. Right, uh, right. But going into COVID... I think I've had to remind myself of that a lot of times that like you're seeing life through a filter that is not normal and that me feeling doubtful may have been amplified by the fact that I don't have the ability to go out and randomly connect with people in person, which is something that drives a lot of fulfillment for me. So it's not the fact that like I'm not doing well or I'm not good at what I'm doing but it's the circumstances of the environment are a little bit different right now. And like you said, if they could get that bad in just a year's time, then why can't they get that good in a year's time? And they can. And I think that that's so true for everyone. I think the passage of time is really interesting in how it can color what we're doing or 
yeah, I you talked about that too of like editing the way you perceive experiences. And I think relationships are like a really interesting thing like that. Like you have your honeymoon phase where that you want to be around that person all the time. And then you have that the time when you're fighting or you have the time where you're breaking up. And it's like, it's the constant is you have a relationship with this person. The thing that changes is how you feel about that relationship to that person as a result of the passage of time. <laughs> so yeah, yeah I, just, I think that's super super interesting and an awesome mindset to have and i hope more people learn that and have the ability to take that to heart in their own lives that's what's up man i appreciate that it's uh it's taking a little bit of work to get to this place you know but um i'm here and and like you i, I hope people kind of see that too and we can make some connection or something through it you know yeah and also you, it seems like you have these themes of like love and caring and happiness that reaching those drives you and the, the method of getting to them may be different, but like you said, they firm in the goal. What are the, I guess, specific things in your lives that contribute to each of those, those goals, I guess? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Um, so I think for love, like for me, I I just always have cared about people who care about themselves. Like, so if people are trying really hard and they're doing their best, even if it's, you know, a low effort by societal standards or whatever, um, I don't know. I want, I want to help people who are helping out themselves. And then for some reason, I always have felt bad for people who, don't have the uh, the scope of a view, or I don't I don't know what you, but like that don't have the ability to care for themselves either because of um, their circumstances or you know their education or what have you. Like we're all just human seeds, and some people get a better deal than others. And so um, I don't know, man. I just always have, have cared about people because I think I've gotten some lucky breaks in life. And I could have gone a completely different direction with my life. And so I've always wanted to give people kind of the things I didn't have and the opportunities I didn't have because for some reason, whatever reason, I got lucky, you know? So I think that's, that's it. That's one thing. Um, my wife is huge in my life. She's my angel. Um, she slept next to me in a chair in the hospital for like two months. And like wouldn't go home, and now she's just like you know takes care of me on the daily, doesn't complain ever. Uh, so I saw how unconditionally a person could love me, um, and that was a profound experience. You know, I was like, man, she really goes out of her way. She really like is just so selfless. And so I think I saw that example of love, and I want to be that for people too. You know, um, there's a school near me. It's called Coleraine Elementary School. And it's a magnet school for uh, kids with special needs. They have a huge population of students with special needs. And uh, I did a book drive for them and I donate money to them every so often. Um, I think I just want to help people in my community, man. Because I think in terms of scope, like, yeah, I can watch the news and care about all the terrible things in the world. But 
there's going to be infinitely many terrible things that I can focus on. So how about I focus on my community and try to improve that and hopefully other people do the same, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's nice. Yeah. So yeah. talk to me about like your aspirations. So I know this is a, a huge project of yours. You don't really have an agenda with it. Um, but is there anything that you'd like to see come out of it? Like, you know, after this, are you going to write a book? Are you, you know, would you like to see a documentary? Like, you know, what are your, what are your kind of aspirations? I think a, like a book and a documentary are like nice to haves. Um, well, I think a lot of people talk about a book. So I think it'd be nice to write what my experience has been behind the scenes. Like, I can sit and talk to you about like the confidence and doubt and stuff. And, but a lot of people, if they're not meeting with me or if they're not listening to podcasts that I'm on, they're seeing my project and they might just be like, Oh, you're killing it. Like, uh, so I think it'd be nice for people to understand the journey. Shoe dog is a really interesting memoir by Phil Knight who started Nike. Yeah. And I feel like <clears throat> reading that there were so many times that, I realized this company that we know today to be one of the coolest brands is just teetered on the edge of success and failure so many times. And I think probably the same is true for me. Um, so it'd be nice to communicate that to people. But I, I see myself getting into public speaking now because I think it's one a way for me to make an impact, a positive impact on people outside of just meeting people. And two it's a way for me to start to have like a budget to play around with, with my life and with this project, because it'd be really cool to be the guy that could fly someone out who may not ever be able to get on a plane and they meet me somewhere and we meet for my project. And that becomes a story or just, just to do, just to be able to have the budget to do creative things. The project would be really nice for the next 5,000. And some of that may come from documentary opportunities who knows? Like you, you just never know. Last year, Drew Scott from the Property Brothers reached out to me, and he was like, "Let's chat about doing a potential show together." That's so cool. Yeah, which was awesome. Dang. And then COVID happened, and my meeting with his director of development got canceled because her flight to New York got canceled. And then uh, things like Love Is Blind, I think that's what it was. Like all those like viral shows caught on, and I'm very much a slow burn uh, story, but. He's still someone that I I met him for my project when I was out in LA one time, and he and his wife were both part of it. And now I consider him someone that I'm connected to in a way. So it's like if I can prove myself through maybe starting a YouTube channel or something like that and prove out the concept, that maybe that's something that happens down the road. But anyways, yeah, I think book and documentary in there, public speaking is the thing I think about more often. And I think I, I can do that until the end of time. Like I will always have the lessons learned from my project and always there will be a stage somewhere to communicate them to make an impact on somebody. Yeah. But when the project ends, which I think will be within the next 10 years, I would like to become a professor at a university and uh, run a, co- a class where students pair off one-on-one and learn from each other's backgrounds as opposed to a textbook or a PowerPoint slide. That'd be neat. Yeah. And I, I think one to just expand your perspective and 
two, to practice telling your story, practice the, the art of listening. And then on top of all of that, you're establishing these connections early on in your college experience that you can then foster into real lifelong relationships or romantic partnerships or whatever. And I, I think that it's crazy to me, I'm obviously biased, but it's crazy to me that universities aren't already doing this because I think that the connections people have with each other is the strongest thing that they get out of university. Like I said, yeah. I still talk to my uh, tour guide friends and fraternity brothers today. And I graduated eight years ago, but I don't remember what I learned in my Iberian civilization class. I just right. know that I took it. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's a big thing. And I, I, again, like, yeah, the sharing of perspective, I think for you and I to sit and talk and you to be, uh, be able to ask about my experience of meeting people or me to be able to ask about your experience of what your mentality was like or how you kept yourself going. It's just you're exchanging knowledge. And I think it's really important. And I, can, I can't relate to your story through my own, but I have met other people through my project who had spinal cord injuries. One, I just saw she had a post today of the car. She was hit on the highway. Like She had been in a fender bender. Her car got hit. She was paralyzed from the chest down. And another guy had dove into a pool, was paralyzed from the chest down, all around the like same age as you when your accident happened. Jeez. So there were things that I talked about with them that I'm conscious of now when I'm talking to you, which we didn't really talk about. But um, I, I know like I'm more clear on that experience than I was without having talked to anyone who'd gone through it. Now you can better relate and stuff like that, man. So I think that's cool. And uh, I have a buddy who has a podcast called Grab a Glass. And uh, his dream is to be signed like a music artist as a podcaster. And so um, wouldn't that be cool for like public speakers and stuff too? And, you know, then you get your budget, you know, you get some group to sign you and uh, then they give you a marketing budget. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. But, but uh, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. I was just saying it's funny too, because I think about it almost like an artist. If I'm booking speaking gigs, it's the same as like an artist booking shows. Yeah. Yeah. It really is, man. Go on tour. And, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you have a hard stop, but uh, I have a question that I like to finish my podcast yeah, with. Um, you know, if you had the ears, eyes, and attention of everyone in the world <laughs> and you could deliver one message, what message would you deliver? I would say to treat human connection as an experience rather than a transaction and make meeting new people a routine part of your life, like going to the gym or reading a set number of books because. I think the the best part of life is like being exposed to everything it has to offer. And we're limited in our soul experiences of going through it. But when you talk to other people, you get to look through their perspective for a little bit. And you start to understand what the world looks like from over here at this place or from over here at this place. And you just say, wow, it's different than what I saw from where I was standing. And I think that that's the coolest thing that we can do to go through our lives and also to show empathy and compassion for each other. So that would be my message. That's amazing, man. Well, Rob, this is a cool project and you know, I can't wait to see you get to 10,000. <laughs> it's uh this is impressive. So, you know, keep doing your thing, keep surfing in Hawaii. I hope the doors keep opening and yes, I hope you get signed, bro. <laughs> you know? Yeah, likewise, man. And 
keep up your oh how many episodes have you had so far um i'm in the 50s now and so i think it's uh 56 nice yeah keep it up because i I think it's the a very similar experience (laughs) experience whether you're meeting with someone one-on-one for an hour you're recording a podcast with them you're still meeting and exchanging ideas so keep it up as well i really enjoyed our conversation with each other and uh the way that you think about life, I think, as you mentioned before, it aligns a lot with the way that I feel. So it's cool to meet a kindred spirit. Hey, for sure, man. I'm glad that, you know, the universe uh, has allowed us to cross paths. This was great. Yes, likewise. And I will say, this doesn't have to be on your podcast part, but for my project, you know how I have a picture with everyone? Mm-hmm. So the way I do that is once we hop off the call, if you can just snap a selfie on your phone, and DM it to me in the next couple minutes. Okay. I'm going to take my own uh, picture here and I'll put us next to each other so we have a photo together. Perfect. Sounds good, man. I'll shoot that over. All right, man. Good talking to you. If I'm ever in the Columbus area, we'll swing by. We'll have to meet up in person. Yeah, dude. If I'm in Philly, we'll have to do something, go to a Phillies game, something like that. Yes. Yep. That sounds good. All right, All right, man. Take care. It was a pleasure. Likewise. Take it easy. See ya.